One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, "What the f are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 upfront for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for a limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the AEW Dynamite preview. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dudley Boys of What Culture, Michael Hanfler and Michael Sidgwick here to look ahead to tonight's episode of AEW Dynamite. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts where we not only review AEW Dynamite, but also AEW Rampage, Raw, SmackDown, the show formerly known as NXT Dubai. Oh, pay-per-views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on rest culture. As I said, they're joined by Havilland Sidgwick to look ahead to Dynamite tonight and a show that has been dominated uh, by a match that finally has been booked for tonight. An amazing thing to see. Uh, it's going to be a tough watch, I think, without question. Mark Briscoe on... The day, I believe, that would have been Jay Briscoe's birthday, wrestling one of Jay's friends, Jay Lethal. Um, We've sort of touched on the whole Warner Brothers, you know, shenanigans previously. I suppose it's just a relief that they finally caved to quite a lot of public pressure and done the right thing here. Yeah, absolutely. And a very small, maybe it's not small and insignificant, but it's nice to know that obviously they've sold for the pressure not for the actual event, mm. which is not cool, but expect nothing less from a corporation. Mm. But I suppose it's a small good thing yeah. that enough people were absolutely fizzing, didn't feel completely numb and broken by horrible capitalist systems to actually care and try and manifest something like this into existence or at least register their disgust so that it was registered by um, WBD if they had to do it. Um, ultimately... However it's happened, it's a fantastic and just genuinely improbable, unthinkable thing that's happening. Like, how on earth is he going to do this? I just can't fathom the bravery. I think it's so impressive and courageous. I don't know how he's going to do it, and it's one of those things that no one should critique this match after the fact. Like, if something goes wrong in it, mm. or there's a miscue or a miscommunication or a kind... like that. In the every other circumstance... These are two absolutely incredible professionals. If this kind of goes awry or, you know, I just you can't critique it. You're an absolute monster if you do that. Um, ultimately, though, Mark will want to honour his brother Jay, and that's why this entire match is happening. And I just can't see this being anything other than this utterly heartbreaking triumph, this strange oxymoron of a thing. But that is life, I guess, mm. in general. 
Um, obviously, Briscoe has to go over. It'd be lovely if you used the Jade Driller. I think that's the only real um, finish here. Um, but I trust and will endorse literally anything they do. Um, there's very little to say other than I'm not a religious man at all. But I will send a small empathetic cosmic vibration for mm. whatever for whatever that is worth, um, just to ensure or just to hope that this goes as well as 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 they want it to go. I don't even know what to say. No. I don't even know how he's doing this. It's so impressive. It's um, it's just a nice heartbreaking thing is going to happen, and I just hope beyond hope that it goes as well as possible. Just lovely to see as well, before I get your thoughts on Amplet as well, the uh, the fundraiser, which you can still donate to right now uh, for the Pew family. GiveSendGo.com forward slash PewLove if you want to donate. They set a target of a uh, $200,000 um, for the family in this awful time for them, of course, and they've already raised over 300000 which is just fantastic. Not just, obviously, uh, people from within the business donating who knew and worked with the late, great Jay Briscoe, but also so many wrestling fans clearly affected by this as well. Yeah, it's those. It's one of those nice things to come from an awful one. Um, the Pro Wrestling Tees shirt, I imagine, will do great guns for yeah. that as well. It's You don't want these things to have to happen, but it's one of the sort of nice things that can occur after the fact, as is this match, I suppose. it's uh, Wrestling's a very unique industry in that, uh, well, it's just a unique way to want to pay tribute to somebody, but one that makes total sense if you're within our bubble and within our community. Um, the time frame, I think, is what makes this quite striking. I don't want to use the word with negative connotations because yeah. it's obviously something that probably Mark Briscoe feels he wants to do or they, yeah. everybody has come together to feel like they want to do it. Um, I was, like, my mind went to, like, last night when I saw the graphic, my mind went to Bret Hart. And uh, obviously, it's not pleasant to mention his name, but like Bret Hart and Chris Benoit had the match yes. on Nitro four months, five months maybe after Owen Hart's passing. And obviously, it just takes the time it takes for anybody yes. in a situation like this. There is no rule. But what I will say about, like, one of my memories of that match, uh, which I've watched a few times, is that about halfway through, obviously, it's like, it's supposed to, like, be in tribute to the person. The person is supposed to be present the entire time. You're supposed to be thinking about that person as they want you to. But there is a strange thing with a wrestling match where, like, the wrestlers themselves are working you to react to what they're doing. And there will come a point in this match where they are wholly focused on the mini story mm -hmm. they're telling together. And I think that is, like, that's one of wrestling's great strengths when we don't have tragedy in our lives is escapism. Mm -hmm. That's what it's supposed to exist for from the very beginning. And it is awful when you have to use it to an escape from a tragedy rather than just escape from your busy work day or whatever. But there's going to be something quite sweet about that. I think it will be well worked. And as Sidgwick says, I think anybody will forgive if it isn't or if there's any sort of moments of hesitation or anything like that. But there's going to be points where you are watching kind of like the purest version of some pro wrestling storytelling. It won't need to be the flashiest piece of business, but they'll just be locked in and believing I'm the better man, now I'm the better man. And we'll be watching, thinking that there will be a second way your mind wanders from mm -hmm. the memory of Jay Briscoe and into the body of this match. That's the tribute, isn't it? Therein lies the sort of the best tribute you can pay. And then there will be huge emotion beforehand, even bigger emotion after the fact. But there will just be a point buried like around the sort of 78 minute mark, maybe, where it'll be nothing more than the match. And that's probably what, like, that's the incredible ceiling that they can achieve on something quite so special. It's just re like wrestling is a funny, it's a funny way to pay tribute to wrestlers, but an incredibly fitting one, oddly. The, um, the only comparison we can make is certainly as it pertains to AEW was the Brody Lee celebration yeah. mm -hmm. of life. And on the night, um, they just completely nailed 
how to do it, how to um, honour Brody Lee's memory, his life, and at the same time give you an actual professional wrestling show yeah. with heels and baby faces and angles that really went far in one direction, but they knew the payoff was so good, like with MJF and Negative One, for example. And so I trust them completely and entirely to get the balance right. But I am wondering if there's going to be any um, shenanigans with Jarrett and Sanjay Dutt and Satnam, or if it's just going to be a pure ring of honor, handshake, excellent technical wrestling, J drill a finish, handshake at the end, and that's it. Um, I trust them to go in either direction. Yeah. Um, if I'm being perfectly honest. So, yeah, I'm just, I just, I'm hoping with an empathetic cosmic vibration that this just goes as perfect as everyone involved wants it to go. They obviously filmed the uh, Jay Briscoe celebration of life following last week's Dynamite. That, I believe, is going up on Honor Club. You may, may find out when that is getting released uh, on tonight's Dynamite. It feels a little bit weird, a little bit like last week, Sid, when we were uh, previewing Dynamite and obviously paying tribute to the uh, to the late Jay Briscoe, yeah, who, who would be his 39th birthday today. Um, it feels weird to now suddenly say, right, let's talk about, you know, uh, Brian Danielson, Brian Cage, uh, the sex gods or whatever. We're going to do that. And uh, as part of that, where do you think this goes on the show? Is this, this half the main event? It, 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 do you open the show with it? I, I don't know what your thoughts are on this. Um, I don't, nor do I envy them for having to sequence this. Mm. Um, it's just strange because if you do... Like, if you open with this, there's going to be so much after the fact that might scan. It's not in poor taste. The tonal shift is stark. The tonal shift it? is stark. It just, it might feel like, right, okay, well, that's that done with. Let's get to canon business. We've got pay-per-views to sell. We've got angles mm. to shoot. Come back next week. I think the best way is to have this main event. Yeah, Otherwise, it just feels like everything after the fact is building to make more money yeah. as part of wrestling angles and storytelling. So I think this one really should headline. And on that basis, um, look, again, the Brody Lee celebration of life was just an inexplicably magical thing. Yeah. It's how I would describe it. Um, but there's been so many other dynamites where they've been pushed for time. This cannot, if it's in the main event slot, have Excalibur, like, just at the top of his voice, scrambling to get his reads and his previews done for Rampage and next week's Dynamite. And up next, we've got this. Just really, really take your time and manage this perfectly so you're not just scrambling to get to the main event. Mm. Like, allow it to register. Just really get the timings right. Today. I agree. I'd, I'd allow, if, if anything, more time, like you say. Let's say the match is going to go... a five-minute buffer. Yeah, let's say the match is going to go 15 minutes. Give it the 20 and say, look, if they go home early or there's five minutes at the end, what better than a lovely moment, like you say, between Jay Lethal and, and uh, Mark Briscoe and just say, we'll do it anyway, but if it's with TV time remaining, just have the, all the roster come out and, and pay tribute to them. I know, obviously, they've done it before, yeah. but... Yeah, absolutely, I agree. You don't want them being told we're going to have to cut time for this. Or, yeah, like you say, the the transition, it, I wouldn't wish it on Yeah, and anyone to, to I, go from. I don't know why I'm bringing it up. I trust them implicitly to get this absolutely spot on. Yeah, that's it, ultimately. I think it comes down to you can only go off prior evidence, can't you? And I, I just think that they're the, 
in their hands, I do think that like this will go fine. Even even with the, those constraints, yeah. even with those sort of the things that AEW sometimes slip up on, this is a little bit bigger, isn't it, than worrying about making sure that like your main event gets the adequate time. Yeah. Um, it, so if that main event, so I think you're right, the, the replacement of that, if that happens, what do you open the show with? You've got a TNT Championship match, you've got the Brian Cage, Brian Danielson stuff, uh, the stuff going on with Ricky Starks and Jericho and, and what have you. How, how do you think they lay this one out? I would go with Cage and Danielson. Um, I'd forgotten uh, beforehand, just before we came into record, I was talking about this with Murray in the office, and I'd forgotten about Darby Allen and Buddy Matthews. That's a ripper of a match in waiting. Cannot wait to watch it. But I think Cage and Danielson is a more interesting proposition for the opener because Danielson's this massive star, your number one contender, no less. And as the ROH a, connection there as yeah, well. Yeah, like there's a, there's a nice Ring of Honor connection. And then when the match takes place and Brian wins, as we expect him to, albeit with a potentially... Mm. damaged arm or however that plays out that feeding into MJF it's not the worst week to have MJF be as far away from the very yes. serious nature of the main event as well it's a big angle it's your world title angle I know AEW don't necessarily use that as a reason to lead with every week they're not it's not raw you know it's not <laughs> like well it has to go on first but I just feel like it's it is becoming serious business the MJF Brian stuff but it's probably going to lean more MJF heel shtick mm. and I, again for the same reason that I just think is a television show and in a, a, a way to balance the tone I think you can have a, a good match maybe even a great one a good MJF promo and then it's on with the rest of the show and then you've still got the big match at the end we uh, we talked a little bit about this on the review last week I really like the dynamic of this because like you say it could have got pretty played out uh, despite our theories about well they've only said there's going to be this many matches and that leaves a few dates in between that and the pay-per-view but we all know Danielson's probably just going to keep winning between now and the paper. Two matches left to win, though. He's not going to run week to week, is he? Is that like that thing where like he's only he got said a... four? I think last week. Yeah. So yeah, if he wins this one, I think there's only, only a couple got one more. left. But um, yeah, the dynamic with this is doesn't matter if Brian Cage wins or loses. He's been given an explicit job by MJF: win or lose, don't care. Break his arm. Yeah, absolutely. So that's going to be the main hook of the Revolution main event. And it's the Fujiwara armbar, the salt of the earth armbar. Um, Brian Cage isn't really known as a submission limb work guy, so I'm interested in how he's going to do that within the rules of the match because he can't use his chair. So I'm interested in that. Um, I, it's weird because Brian Cage is great at the... Like, Danielson can do any kind of match. A spot fest is beneath him. But I'm very interested in how Danielson's going to craft a match with Brian Cage, that's based around him selling a limb, when that's not what Brian Cage is ordinarily, the wrestler you'd pick to do that sort of thing. So um, I, it's going to be a step down, but maybe it needs to be a step down because you don't want to remove focus from, I'm trying to sell you on a great one-hour match. Daniel's having absolutely incredible matches with fellow baby faces. So it's time to do the story. I think this will be more of a... It's Danielson. He's going to work something incredible. It's just what he does. But um, they should have the 10-bell salute as well. Mm. They should absolutely have the 10-bell salute. Um, so that should open the show. And then this is as good a choice as any. It's almost... It's weird. The rest of this card just feels so immaterial. Yeah. Um, given that Briscoe versus Lethal was announced for it. Um, I Open with this, the ROH connection... Danielson will get injured. Yes. Don't know how, but that, I guess that's the intrigue. Yeah, I suppose, like you're saying, they can't use a chair. They can the moment the bell was rung, and you've got 
Prince Nana and, you know, he's part of this trio's champions in, in ROH. I don't know whether they factor into it or whatever, but you sense, yeah, Danielson is getting a victory but not walking out um, completely unscathed after getting in there with Brian Cage. Yeah, it's this story, this MJF Danielson story is awesome and yet I'm still at a little bit of a distance with it. Match has been brilliant. I've got absolute faith in, like, the, the genius of MJF, and I know he's using fickle because it was a Brian word, but the genius of this, that element of the MJF character about saying that people are fickle and you won't work for people because their opinions change. This feud kind of defines it. Like, it's inviting a little bit of criticism because of some of the... It's not exactly a plot hole, but we've gone over this. The Danielson, you want him to lose in the match, and then you remember you need him to win for <laughs> yes. the story. Like, it does invite criticism. The story at the moment between the two of them is like MJF is quite frightened of Danielson, so he runs, and that becomes like a, a bit of a viral hit when he runs away. Uh, and that MJF doesn't want to be in a position of having to uh, go 60 minutes with Danielson, and it's Danielson's domain more than it is his, and all that sort of stuff. And the match is going to rule. So it's like all the all the fundamental ingredients I love about this. I do think there's like a slight, I think it might be Danielson. I think I just don't believe because I know the real him. It's really hard to imagine him thirsting for the belt. Someone and described is, him as fat and happy, like figuratively. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but like it's, and I, until, and you sensed it last week with MJF's, like the mask, like what was the mask was going to slip? Mm -hmm. Like, but in the opposite way around how you would normally use that phrase, now it's going to get serious. And think I'd really need that. Like, is he going to, I don't know, have a go at Birdie or something like that? Like the, say Brie was, like, I saw your wife's drunk promo on Twitter the other night and it was rubbish. I said, like, I just, I need to feel like, Danielson can't just be giddily wrestling his way to revolution. So, I like, this story is lacking that slight... But it, I don't know if I can... Even then, I don't know if I can totally believe it because Danielson just radiates the contentment of a man living his dream with or without the belt. Yeah, it is. That does need to be addressed. I'm confident it will. Um, but I, he feels more delighted at the idea of wrestling for an hour yeah. than winning the title, which is... Yeah, I think that's sort of... The distancing me from the storyline as well. I love the idea of the contrast. It's great. They could not have made um, a better distinction between the two wrestlers. They could not have done a better job realistically of making you realize, right, well, I kind of know that Danielson's going to lose. But how? How is that possible given where both characters are um, at this moment in time? But yet he needs to really sell people on the idea that... He wants to be world champion. He wants to be recognized as the best. Not just this guy who's a stamina machine who loves wrestling and wants to go an hour. As I said, he just wants to wrestle an hour-long match because he loves wrestling <laughs> more than he loves championships. It never mattered, did it? It never registered even that the Omega match was a non-title because he wanted to wrestle Kenny Omega. Yeah. So you were with him for his dream match. Well, and yours. Like, you were with him for that <laughs> more than the fact that he was wrestling the world champion. And if he beats him, he might go. However, even with Hangman said, Page, he was saying, you didn't even... Why, when he won, it was the... Dynamite after full gear. Yeah. He said something to the effect of, I wrestle the night after I won the title at WrestleMania. Why don't you want to wrestle? Why don't you want to wrestle? Wrestling's the best and you should embody that as the champion. Yeah, yeah, but he didn't say like, you know, I'm desperate for that title. It validates everything that... They did get there by the second one. That was what I was just going to say. By the second Hangman Page match, he did feel Danielson's thirst for the belt, but maybe that's because they'd already wrestled by then. Yeah. And it felt more like a grudge. I don't know. I, I, they, like, I, I've, again, it's this thing. Absolute faith in something that, on paper, I feel like I should love, and I just don't quite yet. But it is, it's the same as the cage match itself. Danielson, you'd be a fool not to have total trust in this mm. delivering on the night. 
One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have, like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> a lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. And so much more. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Watch this. Speaking of absolute, Ricky Starks teams with Action Andretti versus the Sex Gods tonight. Oh, boy. Look, it's one of those. It doesn't God. feel like... Local radio link with a local radio match. Ew. It doesn't... I was just about to say, Hamlet. It doesn't really feel like the time to <laughs> completely criticize... Like, this show didn't look very good before yeah. the announcement of Mark Briscoe versus Jay Lethal. It just didn't. Um, I would be a liar if I said I was excited about two things in particular on this show. And look, they're not my friends. Wrestlers aren't my friends. Wrestlers aren't your friends. Don't develop parasocial relationships. Why are you looking wrestlers. at me? <laughs> um, so I don't want to say, oh, I'm just, I hope they all like get through it and stuff. But at the end of the day, I kind of hope they all get through it. Yeah. And they're all going to yes, have this incredibly so. difficult and challenging day at work. So, you know, I, as much as, you know, I've pointed out in the Rampage review that, look, the association with Action Andretti feels like a really contrived way of doing matches that aren't the match and you can just gobble up a nice two months of TV time by doing it, but it just makes Starks feel less cool. Doesn't it also, you can't get away with it because I sense that AW's tried to counter that on the road to, for example, with him going, how many bloody people have I got to beat? Yeah, just because he says it doesn't mean that you can just get away with it now as a yeah, result of that. Yeah, it just, look, I'm not interested in this match, but on this day of all days, I'm equally as uninterested in taking the piss out of it. Yeah. Look, they're two wins doesn't matter because whoever wins tonight, the rival will win a different derivation of this match in about two weeks' time. And it, I just, I don't care, but I'm going to leave it at that. Aye, same. The sex gods are good. They're always very entertaining. They're um, amazing. They're the most underrated tag team in that promotion's history. There's real levity to that act and a night that might require some. We'll get some from the sex gods and the angle's sort of so lightweight at this point anyway that it's probably best suited for it. I would, look, we know that uh, Jericho and Starks, I say this with some regret, is on the whiteboard for Revolution, mm-hmm. and it's not getting scrubbed. I would much rather than this quite lazy, tropey pathway to get there, start like getting Jericho back to that 2019 like vignette mm. pattery stuff, and have if you have to have Starks wrestle, if they believe the trick is to keep Starks in action, then have him just wrestle other people outside of the JS. Have him be building up the wins to be like, I'm going to fight you at. Revelation, but it's not about me like getting back on track. I'm on track and I'm just going to go through you like I did the last time. It's a rematch. It's not even that like they've fallen afoul of one another, you know? Mm. So I just, I don't know. Like this wouldn't have been the way I would have built this Jericho 
revolution thing? But big picture stuff. Um, you, we, we sit here sometimes and look around and think, right, who's who's next for the acclaimed? Do you think as a result of that, maybe Le Sex Gods get the win here, pinning Action Andre, obviously protecting Ricky Starks in that, with a view to when eventually Starks goes over Jericho at the pay-per-view, I realise how far ahead I'm getting of myself here, but Starks goes over Jericho, Jericho at the pay-per-view, and finally we get what we should have probably got from the first time Ricky Starks between Chris Jericho, Chris Jericho falling back on, oh, well, I can just be a tag team with with uh, Sammy Guevara. I wish I hadn't manifested because I like that idea so much more than whatever we're getting with Starks. I mean, it makes sense because the acclaimed are super over, so Jericho could glom onto it. But what normally happens when that happens? I don't want the acclaimed to suffer as a result of it. Like, I love the idea in theory, but we should maybe learn from history as well and approach that with a, some caution. Mm. Yeah, like it, it's the thing with Chris Jericho at the moment. And again, I'm not going to do this with my usual piss-taking snark. I don't care about any direction that he takes next. He feels like he peaked last year. And God damn it, more people should have appreciated him when he did mm-hmm. peak last year, but he certainly seems to have peaked. Um, and he's not in a position now where, right, okay, well, he can turn babyface. He's already played a babyface in AEW, and he's better as a heel, but he's also, like, getting a bit tedious as a heel. Um, the tag team division, because like, people care more about, well, I certainly care more about what Chris Jericho does after this, which is a bit of an indictment of the feud, yep. because it's been, what, going on a month, if that. Um, I don't know what I want Chris Jericho to do. I just know I'm not particularly interested in what he's doing right now. Who do you think wins? I, I, it doesn't matter because yeah, we're, yeah. we're in that stage of the feud now where it's the same thing with the BCC and the JAS. And a lot of people could probably go further back and say it's the same thing with quite a few Chris Jericho feuds now. Is that the formula is so apparent and obvious now that there'll be multiple derivations of matches. Mm. Go through your mind. Um, BCC versus JAS. Yes, it was a definitive winner, which is unlike 50-50 booking in the worst sense, which is um, the WWE kind, where it was just, you have a match, have another one, it ends for some reason. <laughs> there was a clear winner and loser, but my God, there was a lot of 50-50. Right? Yes. It's your turn to go over. Right, it, If we don't go over this week, we'll lose Wajito, or we'll lose credibility as baby faces, and the same pattern is going to unfold yeah. here. Whoever wins tonight, doesn't matter because it's not the main climax of the feud. And in order to maintain the feud, whoever loses will get their win back. A road dog match on Dynamite, that isn't it? Like saying a win and loss doesn't matter on a Dynamite. That's so weird that. Oh, yeah, I like know. His, his, used to, his take on yeah. it for the, like a, a Jericho match, especially. That's weird. Uh, we've got TNT Championship match. Often these are obviously open challenges, but Darby Allen flipped the script on Rampage and called out the member of the House of Black he hasn't really tangled with as much, and that is Buddy Matthews. These two are going to work great together. Well, are they? I haven't seen much of Buddy Matthews in this promotion. Good point. If I'm being honest, I think it's time for him to really, really, what do the kids say, show out. They still say that. <laughs> um, but I think Buddy Matthews has had one singles match of note. That was against Pac. And my prevailing memory of it was there was some cool stuff in it, but it wasn't as good as the match graphic looked. And, you know, he's done some really cool spots in um, trios matches, virtually every significant lengthy House of, Ble- House of Black trios matches ruled, with the exception of that one at All Out. So he's still obviously very talented. Um, but it doesn't feel like this necessary, vital, must-see addition to the roster 
Um, Weird, he's lost like about six of the moves he used to do when he was in WWE. Yes, I know. It's like somebody else on the roster does them. Yeah. <laughs> Odd. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I think his run hasn't been a disaster, but it's mostly just existed. Mm. Um, it's felt inessential. He doesn't feel like the guy who was like profoundly underutilized by WWE, and as is the case with like a Moxley, who was utilized just terribly, or Mr. Brody Lee, who's just coming to AEW, FTR, mm. just coming to AEW, proved right. Every single online wrestling fan who knew that they were capable of more was vindicated. I've never really felt that with Buddy Matthews. And the good thing for him is that it's all but impossible to have a bad match with Darby Allen, particularly on the form he's in. So this could do him a lot of mm. favours. And I would venture that he kind of needs one. I think we're going to be pleasantly surprised by this. I hope we are, because I think the styles gel together quite nicely. I'm not going to patronise you by asking who you think is going to win. This could be <laughs> rapid. Yeah. yeah. I hope this is a sprint because Buddy Matthews is so unbelievably quick. Plenty with strengths. Like, have an absolute war of a sprint with Derby here. But we all think that, obviously, Derby Allen will retain the TNT title. Instead, I'm going to ask you, are they going to attempt to weave in the Eddie Kingston stuff in this? Um, I hadn't thought about that till right now, but that does sort of make sense. I am... Um, I kind of wait for this, you know, like my not-so-secret shame, Darby Allen. Like, I hate how much I love watching him wrestle at this point. Mm. Puke. But, like, he's unbelievable. <laughs> he is. He's amazing. Buddy Matthews tonight is going to look... Uh, he's going to go 100 miles an hour while looking 100 foot tall because mm. he's massive and jacked and Darby's little. So, like, the size <laughs> difference is going to allow for any... You're going to get the Samoa Joe throwing him around, like, Miro chemistry of throwing him around. Then you're going to get the, like, hyper-technical stuff that Matthews can do. Then his like his kicks or like whatever he throws at Derby is going to look so like hard as nails, and then Derby's going to have the guile and meet him like meet his eye and, and beat him, and it's going to be like it's going to have that like mini Derby Allen like creates these mini epics, and they're only mini because they're like they're kind of forgotten sometimes. Like you go a few weeks and then it's passed, and it was just it's wow. Like you are gasping at this television match, and in the moment, it's the coolest thing you've ever seen. Uh, the best version of this match is this hypersonic, ridiculous yeah, yeah. It's, got, it's, it's got the lot, yeah. this has. Uh, the house of house of yeah, man. Like, what? They make people bad. Yeah, like, I'd, like I don't want to, again, I, don't I know I'm low. I know I'm low on the house of Blake, right? But I loved it, and it was Sidge that spotted this. I can't remember the clue that you identified, but there was more than one, certainly. Like, well, if the elite is inevitable, so be it, because the match is going to kick ass, and, like, the house of Blake kind of have to win those trios titles, otherwise, what are we doing here? Yeah. But like, what, what are they doing in AEW if not to win the belts that they've kind of been sitting around wanting to win all this time and couldn't because of reasons out of their control? Like there wasn't a title. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, like, a trio without a title. Like you say about like when the women's tag thing, yeah, when, you yeah. know, like the same sort of thing. So like, there they are. This is their purpose. So it seemed like great direction, especially after the best seven, the elite are going to be knackered, blah, blah, blah. And the match is going to be unbelievable. Of course it is. And then you get this Eddie Kingston diversion and you think, well, maybe like... Let's do the bargaining, and it's not a turn, and they've got in his head, but him and Ortiz make for Ortiz forgives, and Eddie Kingston is moved by that, and Santana's waiting in the wings, and that's all very emotional, or whatever it is, you know, whatever the sort of lineup is. Like, even then, why? Like, why is that now when Revolution is just right over the other side of that hill, and the young and Kenny hasn't wrestled since, and the Young Bucks have just gotten beat in a tag mm. match? So, like, they're, they're weak by normal standards of the elite, and you've got this thing to build right, right now. 
It's Kingston thing. There's like a diversion that is failing every single wrestler involved. I really do want to let it play out, but every sort of every Eddie Kingston take I've read online that because it's not a heel turn in the traditional sense. He's not just right now. He's going to come out and like be calling fans all sorts and you know like spitting on a stunt granny and all that. That's not what we're getting with Kingston. It's obviously something more. But they did come across as thick, and now you have to undo elements of that, even if this is the story. If, even if it's playing out exactly as Tony Khan wants it to, and we've got to let it play out, there's already a part of this story that's been sort of lame. Like, the House of Black do sort of... Whenever they get in people's heads, it's very uh, phony feeling in the context of AEW. You ca- like, it's... Characters shouldn't sell... You can sell fear from a Buddy Matthews V-Trigger or a Black Mass from House of Black or Brody King Brackets General, right? <laughs> you shouldn't really sell it for the... Spooky bollocks, because mm. that's just not AEW. Like, be intimidated, not scared, and the difference is so key, I think, to the when the House of Black feels real and when it doesn't. What's Malachi Black even done except say some weird riddles? Yeah. That were more like tongue twisters. He said something about the enemy of my enemy is my friend, but uh, so what does that mean? Got his um, court terminology mixed up. <laughs> mm. Yeah, well, that's I just, I, I just think you're... I think less of the characters... Eddie Kingston and Ortiz for... I don't know if this has anything to do with it. It's certainly weird. It's out of... It's atypical of Tony Khan to just have a storyline, a wrestler who's kind of involved in a storyline just do an exhibition elsewhere and then go straight back into it. So I understand there's a link. If anything, I've said in the past, like Tony Khan is guilty of over storytelling. Mm-hmm. just overdoes it at times and it can be quite contrived. Um, so I don't know... All I know is that I will be made a fool of because this match is probably going to be like exceptional, mm. like just ridiculously fast and brutal and stiff. What about House of Black come out after the Darby Allen wins? House of Black come out, numerical advantage. Eddie Kingston in his steel chair run out because in his mind he's just being Eddie Kingston. Things have gone a bit like off kilter, so he comes out wildly swinging a chair. Sting has also come out to help Darby Allen and the House of Black move out the way, and Eddie <gasps> Kingston wallops Sting with a steel chair, Oof. like the kind of ultimate babyface. And now he's got a new problem with Darby Allen and with Sting, and it's like, Christ, Eddie Kingston is making some enemies. Where the hell is this going? Then it's less about the House of Black of Gurdon in his head. It's more about if they did get in his head, that wasn't the problem. The problem is everything that has come since then. Kingston yeah. is unravelling as a result of this one tiny thing that happened. They were the instigators of all of this, but it's Kingston's actions that have taken it And forward. we can get another Eddie Kingston addresses his enemies graphic, so... Yes. <laughs> That's all good. Uh, one of the big stories from last week's Sige, of course, was the uh, heel turn of Tony Storm and Soraya due to injury. The triple threat that had involved Britt Baker, get well soon, of course, Britt Baker, now is down to just a singles match, which arguably is a little bit cleaner, actually. Tony Storm... Versus Ruby Soho. Yeah, I think the original idea of the three-way was hinging on the idea that Ruby Soho used to work for WWE. There's a clear storyline developing now between the homegrowns and Mm -hmm. the imports, and I think the idea was going to be whose side is Ruby Soho on? At this point, Statlander can't be far away. Jamie Hayter needs to be a babyface. It's just pretty basics at this point. I think she's becoming one by not being an outsider. Um, I would turn Ruby Soho heel. Really? Mm-hmm. Just better at playing a babyface. I've seen her be a heel on WWE television, and it was excruciating. <laughs> and she's naturally a babyface, and she's very well liked and all the rest of it. But it doesn't. When she's on TV, her TV presentation, the way she it, her presence she exudes on television 
does not align with this sort of online narrative of everyone's really happy for Ruby. Ruby's one of the best women's wrestlers of a generation. Isn't it great? Let's give her our flowers. That TV audience really isn't giving her flowers. Um, so maybe she should turn heel. In terms of this. On the back of this. I think the match will be good. Yeah. I think the match will be nice, hard-hitting affair. Win for Storm because I she's just I think Storm turned. goes yeah. over because you need to legitimize it as a heel. And Ruby Soho could be a bit miffed in the aftermath. Maybe Willow Nightingale can come down to sort of correct any interference from Soraya. And then Willow could sort of try and pick Ruby Soho up off the canvas after the match. And Soho's like, no, no, don't patronize me. Like you've been wanting the business for how long? And I've been in it for how long? And he can mm. um, catalyze the heel turn from there. But I'd certainly think it's not one of those uh, Ricky Steamboat things after all. Yeah. Ruby Soho, she can turn. She can turn. One of my questions that I keep asking, um, and the, my, the big thing from last week's turn is, what's Hikaru Shida doing in all this? I think this whole... Being a baby face, please. Yeah, this whole thing will really benefit her from where we were, like, what, three weeks ago? That's one of the many things I quite liked about the the sharp pivot this story took last week. It really felt like AW, the listening company, a a vintage example of that, actually, because that that three-person interview with the comedic cut to Renee Young's face, eh? Like, (laughs) like, I'll not forget that. And, like, luckily, it seems like she won't either. She's seen now exactly who Soraya is, uh, Tony Storm has made up her mind and has gone along with her. Uh, you know, fair enough as well because she was endorsed for the tag match as well. Um, I think this bodes well for Sheeta because she's going to be seen to have been right all along. And when she reveals, like they, they needn't waste it now. Like you should, everyone can see where it's going, but that's part of the fun. Sometimes they should have this thing where uh, I don't really want to stick with these, but I'm not going to reveal my allegiances just yet. And then when she does, it's Saray getting absolutely walloped with a kendo stick in a very cathartic moment for the babyface homegrown wrestlers. Mm. She, Willow Nightingale is a perfect babyface for this story because you could realistically turn quite a few people heel on her. She's this absolute yeah. male. Whereas like Britt Baker, and especially Jamie Hayter at the moment, represent the shades of grey side of the homegrowns. Willow Nightingale is the ultimate babyface, that group. So if and when Ruby turns, mm. you can kind of repeat that with a few others. And she'd be like having a stick there. I know it's a bit Vince Russo, pivot the hips and all that. But this like the prospect of her thinking... I'm going to smash Willow Nightingale in the face with a kendo stick and then turn in and nail in Serena. That's the moment, isn't it? And then yeah. you've immediately got Sheeta re-established as a very important part of the, the side of good. We're not going to play the, the game we usually play here. It feels inappropriate on a, on a show like yeah, this. Yeah, the tone's just not fitting. Uh, so instead, <laughs> sorry about this, uh, let's talk about Jungle Hook taking on the firm's Ethan Page and Matt Hardy. Yeah, usually I'm the guy who just criticises Matt Hardy <laughs> and just doesn't think he's contributed much of anything in AEW outside of two matches. Um, but again, you know, he's worked with the Briscoes. He's probably going to have a terrible or very challenging, yeah. or highly like complex, emotional day at work. So I won't do that. I will say that he's probably going to try and tease the broken character, gnash his teeth, do some delete chants, try and get the crowd on his side. I will criticize this vehemently next week. <laughs> I yeah, just don't care. I just don't care. I, I like. I completely agree. I will just say it's really weird this because before the Mark Briscoe match, which is the heart and soul of this episode, and it's, it is impossible to not mm. consider it in almost everything you're kind of trying to analyze. Uh, yeah, as you mentioned in the intro, this wasn't looking like a great dynamite. Strange that because of the role 
dynamite's been on lately. Mm. Like, the product feels hot. The programs are all... This is one that's probably going to get 1.2 million as well. Yeah, like, the program's all kind of peaking at the right time for where we're at in terms of the build to revolution. There's not really much wasted TV time on characters you don't like. And it's a bit like, this week felt like it had several of them. It was like, oh, we've got to give them one week. For what exactly? To heat them up for Rampage matches in three weeks' time. Like it's a, this was a strange... This felt like an outlier of an episode already before that match. And it does make this hard to critically analyse. I really don't care about this storyline. Like I, I, I can't quite articulate how little I care about this storyline. I care more about Eddie Kingston's strange police than I do this. It's the spotlight that is being placed on the storyline. This is... Elevation crack, man. It's, like, it's, a res- it's a resentment for me. This, yeah. Just why invest in this in these some of these performance? But again, that's the thing. That's the difference. You know, lately it feels like Tony Khan picked. He's got this massive roster, and that was becoming an issue in 2022. All the time, there was something every week that was like, "Bloody hell, we need to like focus, like lock in your focus a bit more." And he's done it. Some people are going to have to take a break. Mm-hmm. Kingston. Are, Guess isn't technically one because he's in an angle, but in terms of big matches, yeah, kind of like sorry, you benched for the time being. We might bring you back round. But he's, he's off, obviously. He has decided who is who his core like roster members are, and we're heading towards a pay per view with them. You're getting focus on people. You're getting some like this, this women's match, right? It's a great example of that because no matter what you think of the story last week, uh, it's a it's a direct follow on. It's not just um, Jamie Hater in action defending a women's title. It's like, hang on, like we had an angle featuring loads of different people last week. It's the same people. You're actually getting a follow-up yeah, week yeah. to week to week. He's picked that for this entire full Gator Revolution run. And then out of nowhere, like these guys, these, these like low-concern wrestlers have somehow jumped the queue in the way of a bunch of stuff that you were told to invest in otherwise. I said this on, on the Rampage review to, to Sige because, like, yes, people will sit there and say, oh, where's Miro and where's X, Y, and Z, okay? And that's a different a t- an argument for a different time. But for me, with that Rampage and with this Dynamite, I'm sat there going, right, you brought back Adam Cole two weeks ago. Yeah. What's, what's going on with him now? I'll say one thing before I just move on. Again, yes. I'm sorry. I don't want to make for a bad podcast. It just no, doesn't really fair. feel like, yeah. you know, like one where I don't say anything. Like, if you want to listen to a podcast where no one says anything, like not me. Um, but again, it just doesn't feel like the right tone. But when Matt Hardy's face appeared on... Rampage on a dynamite match graphic. I thought, wow, he does not belong. Mm. Like he hasn't earned it. To be perfectly honest. Uh, finally, we've got family therapy with the acclaimed. How, uh, how do you see this one play? It feels a bit sports entertainery, which I'm not against, uh, especially not with um, the acclaimed. Yeah, they're, uh, they're uh, sports entertainment pro wrestling hybrid acts. Not just because like Billy Gunn's part of it. Like they're the good side of sports entertainment. That's how you have the. Um, apolitical presidential segment, you know, that was one of the, like, such a success story and, and lots of other things they've done, ultimately. Uh, I, like, I'll just say it. Like, I don't think this is the week for this. No. Specifically, no. like, it's it's an awkward conversation. I appreciate that. Like, do you drop stuff? I don't know. Like, this, we've talked a lot about tone and we're even talking about tone from a podcast some people will say, well, it's everything. It's a wrestling show. It should be this, it should be that. And fine, like more power to you. It's a variety show and all of that. Like this, again, feels incredibly low stakes for something that is potentially quite high risk. Yeah, the pivot might be too sharp. The feeling might not be there. What could be a great, fun segment of television might not just be felt by people because people 
maybe quite aren't quite in the mood for it this week. Maybe seven more days will help. I don't know. But I, uh, it's hard to fantasy book or speculate on what's going to come because it's just, even looking at the graphic, it's like, ah, like, this week. This week, this yeah. This week, like, it's nobody's fault. Like, life happens and it's... It's actual real family therapy happening in the main event. Yeah, for all of its, like, grace and tragedy and everything else, there's just, like, there's a quite a lot of real life on this one. It's yeah. Just, uh, this, this is just fun knockabout wrestling stuff and maybe you take a little bit of that away. Yeah, and I, and I think if they did drop it and say, let's just do it next week and then they had to cram what they had planned for next week in with this, I think a lot of us would give it a pass because we go yeah. with it yeah, again. Yeah, of course. It's just, I don't even know if it would scan as insensitive if they did this tonight, but certainly it just feels even more frivolous than it did two days ago, for example. Yeah, exactly. Well, let us know your thoughts ahead of Dynamite tonight on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. At Watch there. You can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamflit at... Michael Hamflit. Follow Michael Sidgwick at... Um, Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE, as I said. And make sure you subscribe to WhatCulture Wrestling, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts. The NXT review is available right now. And we'll be back tomorrow to review AEW Dynamite. But for now, this has been the Dynamite Preview. My thanks to the Dadly Boys. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have, like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> a lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. And so much more. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.